can you really do it all? That's what I wanted to find out today. This is episode 192 with world record holder Mike Adala. For those of you that don't know Mike, he's an all-around beast. From being a former college football player to a yoga teacher, he knows just how to push his body and, more importantly, when to back off. Mike does random feats of strength for funsies, like a 315-pound single-arm overhead squat, setting the world record for Turkish get-ups total weight lifted in an hour, and most recently, stand-up paddle boarding from the Bahamas to Florida. Yes, you heard each of those right. How does someone balance the training with having a life outside of work, though? Mike's answer is actually through flow, and today we unpack how he sets up his days, where he's currently finding the most fulfillment in his life, and how a simple shift in perspective can unleash your potential. Before we dive into it, the Forever Athlete Social Club platform is now live. It's a free members-only space for you to connect with other listeners of the show all over the world. So head on over to foreverathletesocialclub.com to apply for your free membership today. Now let's flow with Mike Adala. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined today by Mike Adala. Welcome, brother. Good to see you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, man. I'm impressed. You've taken some time out of the craziness. What's the current fitness feat that you're working on right now? Because I keep seeing that list of accolades grow and grow. And I'm like, (laughs) this dude has run two ultras in a month. He's also a stand-up paddleboard from Bahamas to the U.S. So what's next, man? Like, how do First off, how do you come up with these ideas? I want to start there and then we'll ask what's next. Yeah, great question. You know, I'm really curious. And sometimes my friends will come up with these ideas, or I'll see them online, of you know, different feats that uh, people have done. And I start to get curious on, you know, can I do that? Do, do I want to do that? Um, it gives me a nice goal to, to train towards once I have something kind of large, looming in the future, like a 50 mile race or the stand up paddleboard uh, from the Bahamas to Florida. It's it's impressive, man. I think what's even more impressive is typically you see a list of fitness feats, physical feats there, and you would think, okay, well, the dude that does this is just mentally psycho. I almost think of like a David Goggins-esque type right. mentality, but you have this mindfulness approach background. You come from some yoga in there, some body weights and calisthenics and all of that. How do you blend the two because it looks like this yin and yang balance and yet you've been able to create a space where the both extremes can exist in one world so what was that process like creating that yeah great question um you know i think i like to get into my mind through my body Mm. um you know i can really do it specifically through your breath but as i'm doing these feats i'm obviously breathing and having to focus on the different challenges that are there that forces me into a flow state where I can really be present. And uh, that's a state that uh, I love to be in, you know, as a lifetime athlete, I'm always looking for, for that flow state and being able to, you know, see what my body and my mind is capable of doing. You know, my mind will always quit before my body. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I need to allow that to happen. And then there's other times when I can push through. And so it's constantly having that conversation with myself. Of, you know, is this the direction that I want to move or do I need to kind of tone it back here? And I think that's what's really allowed me to keep training and keep moving, you know, know, forward in my athletic ability um, for a while. Yeah. I was about to say you brought up flow there, which obviously you and I, for context for the listeners, you and I have originally connected on and and jammed there 
where else are you finding flow in your life outside of the physical feats? Because you and I both know it's not. Well, athletes, I think, typically see it and recognize it the most in our athletic feats and our physical feats. It is omnipresent. It can be found in conversation and elsewhere. Where are you finding it right now outside of just the physical training? Yeah, I'm finding it a lot with my work, with my work as a performance coach with my clients. You know, I've, uh, men and, and some women will come to me with various struggles or um, problems that they're having in their life. And for me as a coach, it, it's a puzzle to see, okay, what are the different metrics that we can, you know, tune and tweak to unlock certain thought patterns or perspectives that will help them, you know, reach and achieve the goals that they have. And if they're not even sure what their goals are, then it's another puzzle to help them uncover, you know, what they truly desire. I love that you use the word puzzle there. I've been big on that lately of shifting problems into puzzles, shifting how I'm viewing problems in my life instead as a, a puzzle. Because it almost seems like, okay, well, a puzzle we get curious about and we get motivated to go figure it out. Whereas a problem we hear, it's like, oh my God, I got 99 problems. And like, this <laughs> is, you know, all that we got going on. Uh, do you proactively do the same or kind of you catch yourself being like, oh, I, I got problem. No, no, I got, I got some puzzles that I get to figure out here. Now, how do we go and, and tackle and solve these? Yeah, completely. I mean, I love the idea of practice. So I got practice everything. When you take the mindset of practicing, you're much more present with what it is that you're doing, right? If I'm practicing doing the dishes, practicing how I react to, you know, in, in an argument, practice how I warm up for my workout, it helps me improve because I want to, you know, work on doing it a little bit better each time. And because of that, I'm more conscious and, and aware in that moment. Um, mm. That was a concept that was taught by Dan Millman, who wrote one of my favorite books that I read in high school called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Um, and he says in there, Dan was a Olympic level gymnast in college, and uh, he had a mentor who he, he nicknamed Socrates. Mm. Socrates told him like, Dan, you practice handstands. I practice everything. And so he practices how he uses his chopsticks, how he, you know, goes to bed, how he makes his bed, just everything in his life. And I really loved that mentality. And, you know, it's, I think, easier to think about in the athletic realm mm -hmm. um, when you're working on skills. I think that's a big reason why I like calisthenics, because you can constantly be improving. There's nothing that you can never win at calisthenics and body weight movements. There'll be always, you know, way, ways to improve and room to improve. But uh, if I'm able to pay attention to those small, minute details, it just enhances the entire experience. Yeah. When did you start kind of embracing what I'm hearing there is you have learned to shift into embracing some of the most mundane tasks uh, in life that can exist. When did you learn to start appreciating those? And do you ever find yourself maybe just going through the motions again and, and forgetting that, oh, I need to be a little bit more mindful here, even if it is something that typically most people going about their life would overlook and say, yeah, it's not that important. Yeah, every single day. I mean, every single day I go through and, and do a <laughs> You're not perfect that. No, no, no. It's, I just am aware of it. And so if I can catch myself, you know, maybe I use the dishes example on like the last dish, I'm like, okay, Maybe I just kind of wear through the motions on these other ones, but working towards like um, monotasking, monotasking, you know, that's something that 
as you're aware of, you know, it's really important getting into a flow state. And I think, uh, you know, I think in a too big of a tangent, but today's, you know, society is a lot of trying to multitask and do so many things. And when you spread yourself out like that, the quality of your mm. experience and the quality of, you know, what it is that you're able to produce is just really diminished. And so when I am, you know, warming up my wrists, say for a handstand practice, uh, I'm really warming up my wrists and trying to become as curious as, you know, how's my pinky knuckle feeling? How's my index knuckle, my middle finger? And I'm just getting lost, you know, in those, and being curious in those small details that, you know, are the foundation to the rest of the other skills that I'll be working on that day. Yeah. How do you, what would you recommend, I guess, for someone that is newer to this concept, um, especially in the monotasking world? Because I think we live in a, a world right now where it's encouraged to always be on. It's encouraged to be checking your email in between sets because you're maximizing the time in the gym or whatever it may be. I, I can be guilty of this too myself, even though I know everything I know about focus and flow, right? So what would your best piece of advice for someone that's finding out this concept maybe for the first time and kind of asking themselves well where do I start because right now just all the tasks spill into every everything else how would you recommend that they start to get things a little bit more sorted yeah another great question you're on a roll um I would say I would say uh you know you have to define what's important to you define what your values are because if you don't know what your values are, then everyone else is going to be putting those what their values onto you, whether that's your boss or your friends or your employees or whoever. And so those tasks can seem urgent. And before you know it, you feel like, you know, you're just a task rabbit trying to check boxes all day. And maybe you feel productive because you're getting a lot of things done, but it's not the things that you truly value or care about. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, one activity I like to do with my clients is have them outline the five things that they value the most and then see what activities that they're doing in their day that aren't aligned in those five things. And then if they're feeling, you know, lost or that they're not able to achieve the things that they want, you know, we really um, eliminate those other aspects that aren't valuable to them. Yeah, I think my favorite quote um, within the FRC framework for context, this will actually come out, this episode will come out after I had Dr. Nick Holton and another guy from FRC on last the week prior. So it'll be perfect timing. People listening in will just get a, an overwhelming perfect. knowledge of, of flow. One of my favorite kind of key tenant principles around that training is this concept of, well, why would you optimize if you haven't first tried to eliminate, I think we often default to let's put more on our plate. Let's change X, Y, and Z. Let's add this to our diet. Let's take this supplement instead of first looking at, well, what's the easiest win? It's usually eliminating something that doesn't serve us in that moment. So I love that that's where you went with that answer, because I think when we eliminate, we can create space. What's something right now that you're working on in your own life that you're trying to eliminate to create space for more or whatever that looks like? And maybe it's not creating space for more. Maybe it's just creating space for you to just be more confident and mindful throughout the day. Yeah, I think it's defining the time, like my time blocks of how I spend my day Mm. Um, and then creating those boundaries around that time. Um, An analogy I love to use is, 
uh, you know, a sports analogy. So if I take a bunch of people and I take, say, I take 10 people and put them on a court and I don't put any lines on the court and no baskets, but I just roll a ball out into the middle of the court, mm. um, you know, people on the court aren't going to know what to do. And so they have endless options, right? Everything is possible to them. It's a blank canvas, but there's no structure and organization around it. And so oftentimes they'll feel, you know, anxious or unsuccessful. And so if I drew lines on the court, you know, a basketball court, I put up hoops, I separated them into teams, I gave them a bunch of rules, gave them positions. Now I've just put in a ton of boundaries and restrictions, but within that, there is their, its own creativity of, of how that game can flow and people mm. will feel successful. They'll have, you know, they'll understand if they're winning or losing, and then they'll be able to improve the next time they come out and play. So I try to take that same concept and apply it into my life. You know, if I have um, a blank day, right, and anything is possible, it's very easy for me to get overwhelmed. And then I don't feel like at the end of the day, I, you know, did a good job. And so I really am working on now creating those boundaries or restrictions, more or less. Um, mm. But it's also, it's allowing me a ton more freedom. You know, it's a, it's a, I'm sure your listeners maybe have heard of the discipline equals freedom um, yeah. motto. And uh, it's, it's just another way of saying that same thing. Yeah, I was about to say, it reminds me of the conversation you and I first had. We kind of asked each other, it was like, well, how do you find yourself like saying no to the people in your life that look at what you do? Because the nature of the jobs that you and I both have is so interesting in the sense that the world can see us when we're at work, more or less, when we're putting out content and showing up online. And then obviously, there's the behind the scenes coaching practice as well. But I personally find that it can be very easy to be a little bit too like easygoing with those restrictions, those boundaries. People are like, oh, well, yeah, Wednesday is totally open for, for you. Why don't we meet for coffee here? And next thing I know, I've had four coffees and three workouts on a Wednesday. And I'm like, well, that was cool, but I didn't actually move the needle towards what I needed to in my own life. Is that something that you're still sorting through and what have you found to help you because this is a really selfish question for me because it's something that <laughs> I find myself constantly going back to and being like all right this week how do I make sure I don't over schedule the random meet you know the meeting new people and connecting with them and actually make sure that I'm moving the needle forward what's that process look like for you yeah I mean I think it comes back to what I was saying earlier with the uh, defining the values that I have and like the activities that are most important to me. And then when during the day are those most optimal? Mm. And so, you know, unfortunately I'm not a professional athlete, you know, those dreams have, <laughs> have gone by the wayside. And so, you know, my most energetic, valuable cognitive time in the day is in the morning. Mm. And so if I spend that time um, working out and exercising, then later on in the afternoon, I'm not going to be as sharp with either my clients or the content that I want to create or the messaging that I want to send out into the world. My workout will be amazing. I mean, I'll feel on fire for my workout, but it doesn't carry over to the, the goals that I have in my life right now, which are, you know, continuing to grow my business, grow my family, um, and, you know, more uh, adulting goals, we, we could say. And so, uh, I now work out in the afternoon and sometimes my workout gets skipped or sometimes most of the time it's not as strong as it has been in the past. Mm. Uh, 
And so that was a, a tough pill for me to, to swallow recently, but um, it has created a lot more freedom in my mind and, and in my body because it may, maybe not so much in my body, but definitely in my mind because I would feel stressed when I was working out in the beginning of the day because I know that I have all this work that I need to get done. Mm. And so it would be, I'd, yeah, I'd get a good workout, but I'd also be really mentally fried from beating myself up that I'm not you know, doing the things that I ultimately want to do. Yeah, what was that internal battle like within your own mind, probably over your body of being like, hey, dude, like you might, the workouts might not look as strong and effective and as efficient as they once were when you were in the morning. I guess my question is, how have you gotten okay with shifting those priorities and values? Is it revisiting like the why behind it? Or is that still very much a internal kind of tug of war that's going on? It's like, okay, I want to be running X amount of miles or lifting X amount of weight, but just the season of life that I'm in right now, it's business and family is the main focus. And this is going to take a backseat. Yeah. I think you nailed it. The word, the season. Yeah, I, I use like a syllabus or a curriculum. I love thinking of myself as like, the Doseki's most interesting man in the world. And like, I want to do all these like um, different type of activities. Like I want to learn to free dive to, in Mexico and I want to ski huge mountains. I want to mountaineer. I want to do all these different types of things, but I can't do them all at one time. Mm. And so, you know, I want to, right now, I'm really wanting to continue to lean into my clients and the messaging that I can offer to the world. And so I look at that as a season, right? I can put in these, this time now, create the, you know, the avenue for that to really push forward. And then when it's appropriate and as certain things come and inspire me, I can, you know, shift maybe how I'm spending some of that valuable time. But, you know, for right now, it's, uh, it's working out in the afternoons and, you know, really focusing on, you know, my entrepreneurial coaching business in the morning. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you there in the sense of, well, also similar focus, but then I'm prior prioritizing my mornings as well. I find that like when it hits 3 p.m. onwards, my ability to focus is just totally shot. I'm just constantly way more distracted, trying to do way too many things at once. Whereas in the mornings, it's almost, I think, the sense of, you know, the world's not up yet. So I can focus on what I set out intention-wise and actually follow through and execute on. Do you find a sense of that as well, where early mornings are kind of where your best work is getting to happen? Yeah, I think it's the best time for my thinking to happen. Mm. And so uh, in the early, early mornings, like from like six to eight, that's when I'm just on fire mentally thinking about things. From eight to like two o'clock, that's the best time for me to really work with clients because I can have the most energy and, and presence in that time. You know, before mm -hmm. that, I'm like a little groggy, but I'm still working well. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, from usually from two to three, that's, uh, I will talk to some people at that time, but that's usually like a recovery period for me where I'm going to either go for a walk, do some breath work, take a nap, uh, meditate, just kind of like down regulate. And then um, three o'clock, the kiddo that I live with comes home. And so it's usually some family time um, from then until dinner. And then after dinner, I'm connecting with my partner and then trying to go to bed around 9.30, 10 o'clock. Mm. 
I love that, man. That sounds like a honestly an awesome day all around <laughs> being able to have a little bit of each of those there. Um, I'm really curious because you've gotten into the men's group work in particular, and that's how you and I originally connected was through a, a friend of ours, Aiden. Uh, we'll give him a, a little shout out here. What has that journey been like and kind of what's the, been the biggest takeaway that you've had and working in men's circles in particular, what are the biggest things that you're seeing? Well, let's start with there. What's what's that journey been like? And then I want to know kind of biggest takeaways that you've seen in just the cohesive man man container, I guess. I can't. I'm losing <laughs> the words for it right now. But you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I started my career in strength and conditioning. And I would notice that a lot of the athletes and men that I would train – uh, in between the reps, in between the sets, or walking from the field house into the gym is when, you know, we would get to have a lot of deep conversations, especially after some movement. And so I was really finding myself being pulled towards those depthful conversations and wanting to support the men in that way. Um, you know, it's fun getting bigger, faster, stronger, running farther, jumping higher. All those things are really fun. But what's truly like life impactful is improving your relationship with your partner ultimately improving the relationship with yourself, with, you know, the space between your own ears and, you know, in your heart. And so uh, that pulled me towards that more soulful, um, heart-centered work, um, pulled me towards yoga. And now I really like to find that middle spot within coaching where I can, I mean, I still do a lot of the physicality. I still have that, like that dog in me. And at the same time, I also have a lot of that mindfulness uh, aspect and so I'd like to find that middle space and help you know pull people um or not, not necessarily pull them but just like offer a reflection to another mm-hmm. way of finding you know more balance within their life if they're having some some issues and that's what I find a lot with the men that I work with they are usually very type a driven individuals um, who are just hyper focused on their business and they lose track of their relationship with themselves or they see that being an issue later on in their life and they want to be proactive about it and learn more introspective practices and ways to envision their life and the world around them and become more efficient with how they're spending their time. So again, at the end of the day, they can feel really good about themselves when they put their head on the pillow. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as I don't think men get enough. There, there's so many, there's so many shoulds, as, as I like to say, uh, telling us ways that we should be, we should look, we should think, we should feel, we should be making this amount of money, et cetera. And it can be extremely overwhelming and lead to a lot of self-doubt and anxiety or just a lower self-image. And uh, I think a lot of men, I think really, honestly, all men have so much to offer and just a matter of deciding what it is that they truly want to offer and then finding the courage and the action steps to move towards that. Mm. You said something huge at the end there is kind of discerning what it is it that you want to offer. I asked a friend of mine the other day, we were catching up at the end of the call. And I was like, so dude, like, what do you want right now? What is it that you're you're going after? What and he was so taken aback because he was like, No one's ever asked me that before. I was like, wow, that's it's so interesting though. I think outside of the work that you know, people like you and I do in this world, very rarely are people accustomed to being asked, what do they want? They don't even know how to answer that question. So how do you invite people into 
creating the space and giving themselves even the permission to say, you know, it's actually okay for you to dive into that question and explore what it is you actually want. It's not selfish. It's actually what's going to light you up and motivate you the most. What does that look like for you in your work? Yeah, I mean, it's critical. You know, that's a huge part of the group as well, right? Asking that question and, and learning from other men and from yourself, what is it that that you want to be pushed behind and really what your mission is? Like, we all want a mission and we all want something that we could jump out of bed and are excited about. Mm. And so, um, you know, I encourage people to think about things when they were younger, what they really enjoyed. And then how can they kind of take some of those um, interests and, you know, put energy towards them as an adult and it doesn't it can sound so daunting to be like what is my mission like how can I put my stamp on it today and so yeah. I always use the I always like to say like you know Tuesday September 6th when we're recording this at, at 9 30 in the morning this is what I'm really like driven towards and then let me check in tomorrow and then mm. you know after a month or so you start to see oh okay this is a commonality that's like you know I'm pointing toward in this direction you know, almost every day or most of the time. So let me start to put some more energy towards that. And then once you take a little step in that direction, you check in and reflect, okay, how does that feel? Oh, it feels pretty good. Let me take another step. Oh, this feels really good. Let me take a bigger step. And then you start to move forward in that process. But if you don't have the ability to check in and, you know, recognize how it is that you're feeling, then you're kind of, you know, flying blind in, in that direction. And then other people are going to definitely uh, put their opinions on you. And if you don't have the strong opinion for yourself, because you haven't developed that self-awareness, you're just going to gravitate towards, you know, feeling good. And if other people are telling you what to do and then congratulating on you on what you're doing, you're going to start to slowly be influenced in that way. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing a lot of what you're saying there is this allowing the space for this mission to be flexible which I, I love. I think we get so caught up in purpose, similar as mission. Maybe we could interchange those two as a word um, and kind of getting stuck in this. Well, whatever purpose I decide today is like the purpose for the rest of my life. So I'm kind of going to be very hesitant to answer that question or put it into words. But what I heard there too is this permission of it can be flexible. It can change and flow and morph into whatever it is that your intuition needs it to be in that moment and we're just getting feedback on this process of okay as as we take a step towards this direction take a second pause reflect how does this feel good bad unknown okay great let's let's keep going let's change directions whatever that may be um what has that process been like for you in your own journey because coming from the college football world and trying to go strength and conditioning it's it's morphed a little bit right like it's safe to say your mission and purpose at 18 was different at 22 which is different than right now in your life what has that journey been like for you of self-discovery and learning okay this is where i feel the most lit up right now i'm going to lean into this yeah yeah i've, I've always been a coach i've always loved um, sharing things that have helped me with other people. It's like the easiest way about explaining that. And then I really love the puzzle aspect of it, mm. of thinking how can I best articulate this concept to where it lands for the other person and they're going to understand it. 
And so I pride myself on taking various concepts and explaining them in thousands of different ways so that it will land for at first my friends, then my athletes, then my you know yogis, and now just my people. And so um, the main mission has more or less been similar, but the way the medium at which I express it has been different as I find and learn, you know, the most effective and efficient ways of doing that. You know, when I was younger, I thought, oh, everything is about the gym. Like if I'm strong in my body, then I'm going to be strong in my mind and everything's going to work out and be perfect. Right. And then obviously learn that that is a, a piece of the puzzle, but not the entire puzzle. And so, you know, a decade ago, I really wanted to dive into more, you know, soulful, heart-centered work. And so I'm like, okay, if I have my heart and my soul dialed in, then, you know, everything is going to work out. Everything's going to be fine. And, you know, as I, as I learned, that's a huge part of it, arguably more important than, you know, making sure your body um, is on point, but they all are important and they all have to work together. And depending on what your goals are for this season or, you know, this, um, chapter of your life that depends on where you're going to focus your energy but if you don't if you're not sure about that then again it's going to feel like you're kind of just floating in space which again isn't going to feel successful yeah I love I love that seasons keeps coming up and I think you and I having the strength conditioning background as well in common helps I always love looking at just setting up your life through like a periodization model of mm -hmm your, your preseason is going to look different than your in-season versus competition slash postseason, and understanding kind of your goals and objectives in each of those different parts of a year or a season or a four-year cycle, whatever it is based off your sport, based off of the priorities in your life, it can shift and change. And as long as you have clarity in working towards the right things, quote, unquote, in the corresponding seasons, that's where it sounds like the fulfillment really gets to come into the picture. Yeah. What, what would you say for someone that this concept is maybe first time that they're hearing about it? It's blowing their mind right now. And they're like, I've never thought to periodize my life. I've never thought to just take a step back and objectively say, you know, I'm actually in this season. These are my objectives. I want to work towards this and I'm going to be okay with kind of putting these on the back burner or just understanding that they're not just, they're not going to be a priority right now and getting okay with that, what would you say would be really that first step in learning how to listen to your heart, listen to your soul? Because that, again, isn't commonly taught from what I've seen, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's not, which is unfortunate. But it's a concept that we talk about, I've been talking about here, which is creating the space. Mm -hmm. But if you're overwhelmed by, you know, you're binge watching TV shows or, um, you know, food that's not, you know, helping your body, you're stressed out with social media, you're stressed out at work, there's, there's no space for you to think about what your heart desires, what your dreams are, what your goals are. And so it comes back to identifying what are the most important values to you, mm -hmm. what are the activities associated with those values, and then eliminating everything else. You know, in the coaching framework that we went through, um, you know, they have you go through and do that. And a lot of people in, in the group that I was in were able to free up almost, you know, 10 to 20 hours per week um, of time that was spent on things that weren't valuable to them. A lot of that was like mm. television, mindless scrolling on the internet or social media. 
Whereas you think you're giving your brain a time to relax and a time to like decompress, but your brain doesn't know the difference between paying attention to a TV show and paying attention to a meeting or a presentation. And so you're always on, you know, think, you think of the analogy of like Tom Brady, right? He's been mm. playing football forever, but he doesn't play in his season every single day of the year, right? He plays, you know, 16 or so games, a little bit more during the regular season and his playoffs and Super Bowl, and then he's off. And so he's able to allow his body to rest and recover so that when it is time to be on, he can be on. And so, again, to answer your question, for those that are listening that this concept's new for you is defining what are the things that are most important to you, right? Like your health and your ex and your health and wellness, time with your friends and family, you know, maybe your work, uh, maybe something like learning new things, and then anything outside of that, eliminate it. And then you can instill time to reflect back on your, you know, the soulful practice is really like can be a reflection time at first. So time spent in what I feel is the most healthy spot, which is out in nature. Um, mm -hmm. The reason for that is nature is the most honest place in this world. You know, a tree doesn't lie to you. It just grows towards the sun. Um, plants and animals or plants or animals, you know, both of them will eat or drink when they're hungry or thirsty or when it's available. And so then nothing's trying to manipulate you or take your attention in that, in that place. And so it offers you the ability to get honest with yourself and asking yourself those deep questions in that soulful, honest place has been what I've found and what a lot of my clients have found to be the most productive. I love that, man. I think that's, I mean, there's no other takeaway from this episode that people are getting. Let's create the space, take some time to yourself and allow that voice to come up. And with time that will get louder and louder and you'll be able to intuitively tap in a little bit easier as you go. Remind me, you had, I think last we talked, you were looking at, it wasn't called a dumb phone, but it was a, a, a brick mm, phone. A, right? a, a, yeah, it was a light phone. Yeah. Have you gotten that? And what's been your experience? And can you explain what that is to the listeners? Because I was fascinated when you brought this concept up a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a light phone is essentially a phone that just makes phone calls, does text messaging and very basic navigation. And mm -hmm. so the concept behind it is again, creating more space in your life for the things that you value. So, you know, I, I do some work on social media um, but I don't, I don't need to have my phone on me all the time. And so I block out certain times of the day where I'm working, aka using the internet or using social media. And then other times I'll carry the light phone with me. And so if I need to be reached or um, someone wants to chat or send me a, a quick message, I can respond back to them. But uh, if I'm sitting at a coffee shop or I am waiting for an appointment or I'm just waiting in line, I'm not just mindlessly looking down at my phone, you know, scrolling or what I used to say, like researching things that I'm interested in that could be totally random and fun to learn about, but it's not necessarily the right time for me to do that. Um, an example is like this fabric you see behind me is a Japanese Boro fabric from the early 1900s. I just love weird, like random things, but it's so much more impactful for me to set aside the time to learn about them and to research them, uh, maybe in a book versus trying to do it at all times. My brain is just constantly on and then 
I get tired, I get overwhelmed, I'm not able to do it all. And then I don't, again, feel successful because I don't have those clear goals in front of me. Yeah, one of my favorite books, I don't know if you ever read The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Cormier. Mm. Um, fantastic read on just this concept, kind of what we're talking about of just slowing down, creating that space. And he at Nav- or really asked people like, the easiest way you can start to create this space is when you're in the grocery store, don't pull out your phone while you're waiting in line. Like just sit with the waiting in line. And that's kind of what I'm hearing that you're using this light phone for. It's like when you're waiting in line, yes, our brain instinctively will go to, well, I could be using this time to research this cloth pattern or this new training style that I might be interested in. But really in reality, to your point earlier, you're not actually giving that brain downtime at all. You're just allowing it to stay constantly moving and moving and moving. And that's not going to be great for prolonged efficiency and energy levels there. Um, So I I like that. Yeah, I I love it. I mean, it, it really, you diminish your most valuable asset, which is your ability to pay attention. And yeah. so if you're constantly distracting yourself, then when you're with someone, maybe your partner or you're on a first date or you're with someone, you're not able to give them all of your attention because you haven't been practicing your ability to focus on just even waiting in line. Mm. And so maybe even when someone's talking, you're not able to focus on waiting for them to finish talking. You just you know have to jump in and say the thing that you want to say. Um, it create it, it really permeates into so many different aspects of your life and you know using that analogy of waiting in line at the grocery store even if you are researching stuff and feeling like you're being efficient with that time you're you're not you're really disrespecting whatever it is that you're researching because you're not actually able to really dive into that material yeah yeah i mean you're constantly every five seconds looking up to see if the the conveyor belt has moved forward enough for you to put your stuff up there and and all of that, right? Constant distraction. The other thing I'm kind of hearing and what you're talking about here is this concept of active recovery versus passive recovery. And that the recovery that we choose to do isn't always created equal. And I think you hit it a few minutes ago when you said, you know, sitting and watching a TV show isn't the same active, you know, that's not active recovery. That's very much passive. You're sitting on the couch. You're not actually giving your brain time to unwind what are ways that you're getting active with your recovery practices now with the season of life that you're in and the variables and and everything that you are uh, navigating that you're solving this puzzle that you have of life yeah my my favorite way at the moment is walking Mm. I like I love walking I love walking around my neighborhood and so whenever I get off a call after I get off this podcast I'm gonna you know, go outside and walk around the block. Um, That's the easiest way for me to just like regulate my nervous system, reflect on what just happened and then come back, you know, feeling ready to continue. Um, I would, I'll say I will leave my phone home. I'm not listening to a podcast. I'm not listening to music. I'm not doing anything else that's distracting me from that walk besides just looking at the homes, you know, making sure I'm not getting hit by a car, uh, you know, observing the the space around me and thinking. I could think about what, what happened and, you know, maybe what it is I want to do, but creating that space to let those thoughts even arise. Yeah, you're not out there playing Pokemon Go. Are the kids kids still doing that these days? 
they love Pokemon, but haven't gotten to Pokemon <laughs> Go. Try to lim- limit the video games or right now, eliminate those games. Dude, I, I don't blame you. Um, you know, I went through a phase of there was a little nostalgia of that uh, later years of college. Pokemon Go really came back out. And Mike Posner actually wrote a poem about it. And he was like, we're walking into traffic playing Pokemon Go. Like, what are we doing, dudes? Like, come on. I was like, yeah, that's probably a pretty good wake up call. That's time to delete this app off the phone. I well, like the, go ahead. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you there. I mean, the, no, I'm making such a funny analogy with myself earlier, interrupting, and now here I am doing it. So, like I said, it's a practice, <laughs> it's not perfect. Um, but with that, like with Pokemon Go, right? Like with the six year old boy that I live with, he wa- he'll want to play a video game. If I bought him a Nintendo Switch, he would love it. He would love wanting to play with it. But if I told him, we can either watch Pirates of the Caribbean or we can go run and play baseball in the park and I'm fully engaged with him when we're playing. He's going to choose playing in the park all the time because I'm there like really engaged with him. And I think that's what we all are wanting most is like that complete engaging, you know, flow centered attention with someone else. And that's such a lost, it's such a lost feature for a lot of people. And uh, it starts with the ability again to, give yourself that attention and practice it as you're waiting in the grocery line. But then when you can engage with someone else and kids are a fun way to do that with, cause you know, he's not, he doesn't have a phone. So he's not distracted by anything else. He just wants to be in the moment playing as much as possible. Um, it's a great way of, of really seeing that reflection. I'm glad to know we, we haven't hit that point where six year olds are having iPhones. I'm sure there's plenty of his maybe classmates that might have some, but you know, hopefully Man, I, I miss those days in a lot of ways. I, light phone sales might go through the roof after this episode's done <laughs> recording because I might be looking into it. Um, well, it's what's a phone for? You know, it's to talk to people. And if yeah. you're, you know, maybe you can't leave your phone in the car when you go to the grocery store or go even go grocery shopping because there could be an emergency or you might forget something and your partner needs to call you, but they can call you. And so if you have that phone, it's just based on exactly what the phone is for. Mm. Yeah, we try to put all these extra bells and whistles on it and i think for all the good that it's brought it's also brought a lot of these issues that we've highlighted today behind it. it it creates complacency you know it creates like oh well, i can just look up a recipe when i'm in the store and then figure out what i need to get and which then doesn't require you to put the forethought of thinking about it in the future mm. i'm sorry in the past so that you're able to then create the recipe, maybe even have to remember the ingredients that you want to get and then bring them to the store. But again, that just, that comes back into the areas of your life. Like, you know, when you're talking with someone and you forget what they said earlier, or you're not able to be as present with the people around you, you know, and as, as human beings, I think that's what we yearn for the most, right? The, the worst thing we can do to someone is put them in like social isolation, that's like mm-hmm. the worst thing that we have in our jails, right? And so we want to be able to interact with each other, but we're almost creating our own social isolation with the technology. Again, I'm not like a technology hater. I just am, it's a tool and I just want to use the right tool for the job when it's appropriate. Mm. Yeah, I was about to say, it's the timing of the tool, I think is the most important, not Instagram first thing in the morning and TikTok last thing at night, like creating those boundaries really allows you that that freedom and that flow like man this has been a blast i want to before we wrap and do the fast five which are 
some rapid fire questions. I just want to acknowledge you and I really thoroughly enjoy talking with you because you do have this ability to be present and have a good conversation. I know that's not just exclusive to conversations like this one. So I just want to acknowledge you and the way that you're showing up in this world because we need more examples like that for other people to see and say, you know, it is possible. Even with these crazy smartphones these days, Mike can do it. I can do it. So I just want to say, I appreciate you there, man. Um, Fast five, one sentence, one word answers. The first one is what is your favorite podcast or go-to podcast that you're jamming to right now? Art of Manliness. Mm, I'll have to check it out. Number two, what's your favorite book that you've read in the past year? Oh, man. I would say <laughs> it's so random. Favorite book? I got this interesting magazine. Um, it's It says nothing to do with personal development. It's called uh, Goros, which is a Japanese jewelry designer. Um, yeah, I've been, I just got that magazine in the book, in the mail the other day. And so that was the last thing I've been reading, but uh, maybe not the best thing in the past year, but for the fast five, that was what came to mind first. Heck yeah. Never had an answer like that before. So I love it. Number <laughs> three, what is a quote that you live by? Oh, we'll go with practice everything. Mm. Number four, what's something that you can't live without? I would say, I don't know, I can live without a lot of things, but maybe a good a good quality bed and like bedding. Mm. Little basics, man. Number five, if you could sum up your focus right now into one word, what would that be? presence beautiful mike again man really enjoy this time with you where can those listening in find more about you the coaching you do the work that you do the crazy feats of strength and mindfulness that you are continuing to blend together in this world where can they connect with you yeah well i'll tell you that in a second i want to thank you for having me on this podcast and for all the work you're doing as well um i love the forever athlete mentality and um, it, I, I really appreciate to be on here. I, I view myself as a forever athlete and I think uh, I want everyone in this world to view themselves up as a forever athlete. So thank you for having me. And um, the easiest place to find me is on my website, mikeidella.com. Uh, on there, you can find information about uh, my one-on-one -on -one coaching offerings, as well as the men's groups. I run four or five of those a year. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's at mike.idella. And yeah, those would be the best places to connect with me. Beautiful, Mike. You are definitely a forever athlete, man. It's a mentality. It's more than just a brand. And I think you represent it very well. So yeah, thank you. Appreciate you taking the time to listen today. It helps tremendously for me and for the show if you share these lessons with someone close to you. So go ahead and share if you took any value out of today's conversation. And until next week, flow on, my friend.